Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Nick and Bush coming at you with another Black Monday episode. Today we're talking a little clickbaity in the title that I got with it. We're talking bust proof guys, but really what I meant by that is guys who are safe. Um, so we're going to go through uh, one at each position that we think it, it'd be very shocking if they busted essentially. So uh, Nick, how are you doing before we get into the intro? Doing good. Yeah, this is one of those things that people talk about um, from time to time, but it's always good to just kind of circle back, go to the basics and kind of lock in on a guy like you just love and you know it's going to work out. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like um, when I say safest players, I don't mean they have no upside either because sometimes you think safe players, you think, I don't know, like Randall Cobb or something. Like, no, I mean guys who are going like relatively high who are just – well, actually, for our running backs, they're going very high. But uh, they're just not going to bust, basically. We just don't think – like, the way that their situations line up – of course, anyone can bust based on injury. If fucking someone goes down week one with an ACL tear, none of us could have predicted that. But aside from injury, we don't see any of these guys busting. So let's hit the intro, and we'll see you on the other side. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. All right, so Matt Ryan is the first guy that we're talking about. And this one is the one I feel most confident about of all, all four of my guys because Atlanta ranked number one in the league in pass, uh, pass splits last year at 67%. And they were also top five when trailing and also in neutral game scripts. So whether you think Atlanta is going to be good or not, they're going to pass the ball a lot is essentially the point of that. And Matty Ice threw 616 passes in 2019. And the defense lost a starting edge. I know Vic Beasley isn't the greatest player in the world, but he's still a starter. And their most experienced corner. And again, I know Trufant didn't have the greatest year, but he was probably their best corner still. So um, the defense is downgraded. So I don't see that affecting the pass attempts. Gurley, in my opinion, is, is basically a trade-off with Devontae Freeman uh, in, in terms of the run game. He transitions from one of the best run schemes in the NFL and Sean McVay's run scheme to the worst. I mean, the worst in the league. Uh, Dirk Cutter is the worst run play caller, run scheme designer, whatever you want to call it, in the NFL. So if Gurley couldn't do well last year in L.A., he's not going to do well this year in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, Matt Ryan is a stud. You know, they also have a good offense around. I mean, you got Julio, you got Calvin Ridley. Like, yes, I agree with you on the run game. It's not looking good. But in general, like, they, they spent a lot of bullets last year on their offensive line. I feel like everything should come together. Like last year was a pretty atrocious year for the Falcons. Uh, I mean, yes, they got the 16th pick. They were middle of the road, but I, I think they've got more talent, at least on offense to do better than that, even in a tough division. And uh, yeah, the division's going to come with a lot of shootouts. It's looking good. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned the weapons. Uh, I like to say with, with quarterbacks that aren't the Patrick Mahomes and the Lamar Jacksons and, and even like Deshaun Watson and, and um, Kyler Murray or whatever, you're only as good as the weapons around you. And if Julio's going to be a top five receiver, like that's just going to happen. Ridley, we think he's going to be top 15. Hurst, we think he's going to be top 10. If all those things come true, then Matt Ryan has to be a top 10 quarterback. And, and that's not even getting into guys like role players like Gage and, and Gurley in the passing game or whatever. Um, if Atlanta wants to win in 2020, uh, like the coaches are on the hot seat and probably the GM as well it rests on the right shoulder of number two. Like Matt Ryan has to throw the ball for this team to win because it's their best uh, asset is their passing game. And 
I mean, there's just no issues I see with Matt Ryan, aside from, again, like I said, if he just tears his ACL week one. Um, Matt Ryan has the volume. He has a talent around him. He has uh, an improving offensive line with a lot of high draft capital and money spent on it. The coaching tendencies favor the passing game. Like, pretty much everything make him, to me, he's a lock to finish top 10 as a quarterback, and he has the potential to finish top three. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree. Um, Matt Ryan's a stud. Just took him in a dynasty league. I'm excited about it. Uh, another quarterback uh, on top of Matt Ryan that I always end up with in dynasty and redraft, I love him, uh, is Russell Wilson. I just see no way that Russell Wilson busts. Uh, yes, the Seahawks are known to be a team that doesn't throw that often. Uh, last year, they were 22nd in the league in pass attempts, and their offensive line is not very good. Yet still, Russell Wilson was second in the league in red zone attempts as well as third in the league in deep ball completions so he's throwing the ball downfield on the basically on the important throws he's also throwing when they get into the red zone so rather than running it in the red zone he's passing for touchdowns you know which basically he was third in the league in touchdowns last year everything about Russell Wilson year after year like with the emergence of DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett uh Yes, he's got his ups and downs, but as far as a receiver goes, he's incredible. Him and Russ have a nice connection, and uh, I really only see the Seahawks offense going up. You know, like, I think their defense is getting worse, just like the Falcons, and uh, yeah, I think they're going to be passing more and more. I Like, if they just hand the ball to Russ and let him do it, uh, they're going to win more and more games. Yeah, I think there's a chance that Russell Wilson, uh, I don't know if you remember in 2017 when he was the uh, quarterback one in fantasy. Remember how atrocious the run game was last that year? They just, like, could not run the ball. It honestly wouldn't shock me. I'm looking it up right now. He threw 553 pass attempts, which was the most of his career that year. And he threw, like, 34 passing touchdowns. Like, he was super efficient as well. I could definitely see that kind of year out of Russell Wilson with the, all the reports that Chris Carson might um, – is, like, dealing with a hip injury, had surgery on it. Rashad Penny's probably going to start the season on the pup list. I mean, Carlos Hyde, I, I always toot the horn of Carlos Hyde because I think he's underrated because no one thinks he's good, but he, he gets a thousand yards like three of the last four years. But yeah. I mean, regardless, I think Russ, his, his weapons are getting better in, in terms of like, they're just big play guys. And whether you like DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, both of them help the quarterback, right? So it doesn't matter which one you prefer. They both help Russ. Yeah, I just, every year, if you look at Russ's career, every year he is steady. He is smooth. He's always one of the top guys. He's an efficient passer. He makes – even if you give him nothing, he makes a lot. And, uh, yeah, I was going to make the point of last year, both their main running backs, you know, ended the year with season-ending injuries. So coming into this year, they are behind the eight ball. You know, yes, they drafted uh, DJ Dallas uh, in the fourth round. But, I mean, we'll see. You know, I just – I think it's wheels up for Russell Wilson once again. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes fantasy football isn't hard, and I think Russell Wilson's the second second or first best quarterback in the NFL, and I mean, you can't yep. go wrong picking like one of the best players at his position, regardless of his situation. I think sometimes with fantasy, we kind of just try and think that because of situation and volume and stuff that certain players are going to be better than they actually are, but the bottom line is coaches don't care about fantasy. They care about how good the player's actually performing, and you have no worries with Russ performing well. 100%. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. All right. So let's get into running backs. As I mentioned, these guys are a little bit higher up in the ADP because, to be honest, this position is just not – it's not safe. It's, it's a risky position. And that's the reason why 
uh, so many, like if you look back at the first round of ADP last year, there was so many bust running backs because just they, they go high because they're in demand. And this is the guy, this was the one person that I could find that I was like, yeah, this, if this guy is on the field, like he is not busting. And that's Zeke Elliott. And I know Danny's going crazy in the comments section right now. But um, six of his 56 games in Zeke Elliott's career, he's only failed to record 20 touches six times, like 20 touches. And four of those games, he had 19 touches. So he pretty much has 19 plus touches in like 54 of 56 career games that he's played. And in the only two games that he failed to record 19 touches, he scored three touchdowns in them. So he pretty much has had the opportunity to be a top 12 fantasy back on the week every single game that he's played his entire career. And I know it's a new coaching staff coming in and Mike McCarthy has never used a bell cow besides Eddie Lacy's rookie year, but like the money demands that Zeke Elliott gets the ball. I know we, we can get excited about Tony Pollard, but Zeke still had a 77.5% share of his RB opportunities in his backfield last year. And that's workhorse status. That was number five in the league. And I mean, I don't know if it's going to go up from there. I bet it would probably about stay the same. They'll probably keep Pollard's role pretty similar to what it was last year. But I mean, even with that, he had the number one uh, red zone touches in the league last year, and he had over four of them per game. And I don't think that's going down if, and it could actually go up because I mean, again, Danny's going crazy in the comments, but this is going to be an elite offense in the NFL. Like the, the weapons they have on the outside, the offensive line's still good. I know Frederick retired, but Looney played well in his absence of 2018. Like, the offense is going to be really good. And Zeke is probably going to see the lightest boxes he's ever seen in his entire career this year. I know he only received 72 targets, which, I mean, still a decent amount of targets. But that could increase as well. He, he saw 95 in 2018. Maybe you see something about halfway in between that. I, I just honestly have a very hard time poking holes in Zeke's outlook. Aside from him, the, the only hole I could actually think of was him not being in shape coming off of quarantine because it's Zeke Elliott. But I mean, he was in Cabo last year and wasn't in shape and he was still the RB3. So I, I don't think there's a way if he plays 16 games that he's not a top five running back, in my opinion. Yeah, Zeke's bust proof as they come. I mean, incredible offense. Their line, even though it ebbs a little bit, he's such a good runner. They give him the ball. He catches the passes. Like even Pollard, even though Pollard's good, it doesn't even matter. Zeke just all he does is produce. All he does is score fantasy points. Literally, I mean, like I just there's no way. Zeke fails in my opinion. He even has a good injury history. Like Zeke's yeah. just uh, Zeke's the bomb in every way. Uh, someone else who I uh, love, and you really can't drop far down on the running back list. Like you really can't. I think this is the last person I can feel bus proof about is Alvin Kamara. Uh, last year in week six, he had a high ankle sprain. And then in week seven, he got a high knee sprain. Still last year, even with those things, he finishes the RB8. Uh, Alvin Kamara was third in receptions last year, fourth in receiving yards as far as running back goes. If you can catch the ball, if you have the kind of balance and like overall ability that Alvin Kamara does and you play in an offense with Drew Brees, uh, you're a stud. I mean, even last year, a high ankle sprain for someone like Alvin Kamara is the most like devastating injury you can have while still playing games. Like his balance is incredible, but like the dude needs to be able to cut. You know, and he like most of the season he couldn't and he was still RB8. That like it blows my mind. So I really think that's his absolute floor. And yes, like where you're drafting him, you want him to be RB1, you know, or RB2, RB3. But RB8, you're going to be just fine with. If that's my floor going into the season, I'm uh, I'm stoked on Alvin Kamara. I love Kamara. Yeah, like and like you said, like 
I mean, even the fifth, who's the fifth running back off the board? Derrick Henry? Like, you can poke holes in Derrick Henry. Like, he is, he's not for sure. And I mean, the next guy after that, like Dalvin Cook, there's holes all over the place. Like, it's yep. really just the top four running backs that are like bust proof, quote unquote, aside from injury. Like, like those four guys, Saquon, Zeke, uh, McCaffrey, and Elliott are, are really the only guys that have virtual monopolies on their backfield in terms of goal line carries, receptions, all that stuff. So, yeah, I definitely have no issues with Kamara being your pick because I, I also tried to look for, like, a guy who I think is kind of bust-proof, like, later on. I just I just couldn't find one. I had to go to the top of the draft. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I was trying to look at Jacobs. I was trying to look at, you know, I, Joe Mix. I love Joe Mix. I love all these guys. Eckler, I can make a great case for him. But Mixon was bad dude, last year, like, to start the season. So like, many he holes. was straight up bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did not look good. He came on strong at the end of the year, but at the beginning of the year, he was looking kind of like still a bust, honestly, yeah. in general. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of holes, even though I love a lot of those guys. Yeah, and this is why there isn't a lot. Of, this is why you take running backs early, is because there is a lot of guys to choose from out receiver, in my opinion. Like, we could have gone with, like, later guys. Like, I looked at Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry. Like, those guys are going to be – if you play in any kind of PPR league, they're going to be as safe as they come, and they're going to be super consistent. But I went with Adam Thielen because I think Adam Thielen has a better ceiling than those guys, and he's very safe. So there's 110 vacated targets in the offense from Stephon Diggs, like 1,300 yards and like seven touchdowns. His only competition for targets really in the offense are Justin Jefferson, who I personally have concerns about transitioning to the next level. The tight ends, I mean, like Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, like we'll see. I guess they're both, they're both going to contribute, obviously, but none of them are going to command a huge target share. And then I mean, Tajay Sharp, B.C. Johnson, like no one's taking away valuable targets from Adam Thielen is my point. In the three games that Thielen has played in uh, since 2017 when he broke out uh, without Diggs, he received a target bump from eight targets per game, which is still like 129 uh, targets on the year, to 10.67 targets per game, which is 170 targets on the year. Now, I don't think he's going to get 170 targets, but there's not many people, um, there's not many receivers in the league that I could actually say, yeah, I could see it. Because Thielen's, I mean, he plays in a run-heavy offense, but he could crack a 30% target share in his offense. And that's elite territory. If you're getting that kind of, um, if you're getting that kind of target share, like that's Michael Thomas, like um, Devontae Adams level, like target share in your offense. And I think those two guys are really the only ones I can think of that are going to have a higher target share percentage than Adam Thielen this year. Yeah, I I always have loved Thielen. He's like the ultimate I have a dream wide receiver, you know, like the undrafted guy that like you know, no one's even heard of until he's 27. And then he breaks out all over the place with that massive game, like in week 16. And then he comes back the next year and just blows up all over the place. I don't know. I, I love Thielen since then. And yeah, without Diggs, I mean, they pushed their chips in. They've kind of shown us what the play is. Yes, they took Justin Jefferson and I've already talked about how much I like him, but that takes nothing away from the fact that Thielen is their guy. And that mm. dude is a target hog. Like he's got a lot to like the end of last year. He let me down. He let a lot of people down in kind of the way he was injured and he just didn't play well. I think he's going to bounce back in a huge way this year. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on Thielen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot uh, of people have talked about how he tried to like rush himself back from hamstring injuries. And I mean, Every year, there's a guy that gets just, just ruined by hamstring injuries. There's probably a couple of them, actually, every year. But Thielen was definitely a victim of that. I think he had a hamstring injury, and he came back, like, two weeks later on, like, Monday Night Football and, like, left the game early or whatever. And that's the, type of, that's the type of shit that kills you, like, in your lineup. Because, I mean, it's hard to sit Thielen when he's playing. That's why it's, like, it kills you. So, 
Uh, we know he has tremendous upside, though. Like I said, he is the safe, he is a very safe player, in my opinion, just from a volume perspective and, like, just how good he is and the way the offense runs. But he has tremendous upside as well. Like, do you remember the beginning of 2018 when he was literally, like, the wide receiver one and it wasn't even close? Yep. yep. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I, uh, I love Thielen. I'm all in. Someone else – this has been one of my favorite receivers for years. He was, one, I think, my first ever dynasty pick, actually. Uh, it was it's Allen Robinson. You know, I feel like a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves. You were talking about a potential 30% target share. Allen Robinson, I legitimately think could have that opportunity this year. I mean, it's, it's Anthony Miller. It's Ted Ginn. It's Javon Wims. Those are the wide receivers. And uh, at tight end, I mean, who are they? Jimmy Graham. Is that who they're going to try and roll up? It's like, dude, it's bad. And uh, David Montgomery. Oh, and might get the second most targets in the offense. Exactly. It's it's like I, it is not looking good as far as the other weapons. So I do not see how they don't force feed him the ball. This guy has the worst luck as far as quarterbacks go. They give him Blake Bortles. Then he tears his ACL. He ends up in Chicago with Blake Bortles 2.0, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I think this year with Nick Foles, it is for sure. Yeah, Nick Foles is not even great, but it's the best quarterback he's ever had the potential to play with. At least Nick Foles can throw the ball on target, even if he sucks at making reads. He's going to throw some interceptions, but – he can get the ball to Allen Robinson, and Allen Robinson has an extremely high contested catch rate. You know, he was number five in the league last year. He's always super high in that. Uh, yeah, I just – I don't see how Allen Robinson uh, – his 98 receptions, 1,100 yards last year went so under the radar. Uh, I can't believe that he's not a higher pick. I can't believe – like, he's, he's just – he's bust-proof, 100%. Yeah, 98, 98 catches is a lot. Like, it doesn't seem like it because he's – I always – when people say, like, uh, I never think of receptions. I always think of targets, and that's how you should think. You should follow targets, not receptions, because it's it's all fickle and, and based on efficiency. But if you're getting close to 100 targets from anyone, like, they're going to be a top 12 receiver. Like, even if you play on, like, standard, they're probably still going to be a top 12 receiver. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I love Allen Robinson. Um, I'm really excited for this year, honestly. I, I want to see what they do, especially the Bears' defense is going to wor- be worse. They, a defense like that always regresses. They lost uh, the Mukamara too, the, uh, like one yeah. of the better corners and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's wheels up for Chicago Bears. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to get into tight ends here. And this, this one might be a little controversial because I feel like people don't like – there's people that are very off this guy. And I honestly don't know why, but uh, Zach Ertz is who I'm talking about here. And I, I, like I said, I already know the objections are. I'm going to answer both of them because there's two main objections people have with Zach Ertz. One is that Dallas Goddard is there and Dallas Goddard is eventually going to take over his job and all like this whole narrative that dynasty players and Debbie players that saw a freaking tight end at, what did he go to South Dakota state or something or North Dakota state? Um, That's good. Yeah. So they ran the highest rate of 12 personnel in the NFL last year and it wasn't close. Like they were, they ran it by like 20%. Like it was like 54% of their offense. So Dallas Goddard's going to be involved and, it, it has it doesn't come at the expense of Ertz. Like just because Goddard's on the field, Ertz will also be on the field. So it's not a it's not an issue to me. And even with Goddard there, Ertz had 134 targets last year, which is number two at the position, and 156 in 2018, which is number one at the position. And those are the two years that Goddard has played in the NFL. So I'm really I'm really not worried about Dallas Goddard at all in terms of Zach Ertz. Maybe long term they'll they'll use Goddard as an opportunity to maybe cut Ertz or trade him, but. For this year, I'm not worried at all. And the next objection is that, well, he's been their only option the past two years, right? They haven't had receivers. They were trotting out Greg Ward and fucking whoever else uh, at receiver. And you're correct. Aguilar. 
Yeah, you're correct. He has been the only one there, but he still is the only one there is my point. Carson Wentz has literally been accused of tar- over-targeting Ertz by his teammates. Like he's actually, this is a legitimate claim that I don't even know who it was, maybe like Torrey Smith or Elshon Jeffrey or something, have accused Carson Wentz of over-targeting Ertz. So that's good news for Ertz's uh, fantasy um, prospects. But the additions they made this offseason, I, I mean, I'm, I see people, everyone knows I don't like the Eagles because I'm a Bucks fan. I grew up hating the Eagles. But everyone seems to think their offense is just going to be super good this year. Like, I, I don't see how Deshaun Jackson and Marquise Goodwin and Jalen Rager, who I, I like, but, like, I'm not, like, crazy in love with. Like, I don't see how their passing game all of a sudden becomes, like, the best in the league, like I've seen, like, touted before. Like, Deshaun Jackson and, and Marquise Goodwin have played a combined 35 games out of the possible 64 the past two years. So they're not able to stay healthy. So there's a very good chance that Ertz is the only one by week six, like usual. And Jeffrey was said to be a big part of the Eagles offense at some point is what Doug Peterson was quoted as saying earlier this month. And I mean, Rager's just a rookie receiver. So you never know what you're going to get out of him. Maybe he breaks out his rookie year, but I, I kind of expect him to experience growing pains just based on what I saw from him at TCU. I'll throw his splits on the screen right now without Alshon Jeffrey, because I do believe Alshon Jeffrey starts the season on the pup list. There's just a lot of smoke around him not being ready for week one. And I think it's true. If you see the splits without Alshon Jeffrey, he only like he had eight targets a game, which is still like really good for a tight end. But without Jeffrey in the lineup, he had 11 targets a game almost. So like that's a huge volume increase without Jeffrey in the lineup. And I mean, Jeffrey hasn't been able to stay healthy for years now. So I, I, I honestly think like the only he's the only option thing is might hold true for the first couple of weeks. But once people start dropping like flies in the Eagles offense. I mean, you already saw Brandon Brooks go down. Like, it's only a matter of time before the receivers start getting hurt, too. Um, my, basically, my point is just he's going to be a volume hog, even if, like, those guys are there, in my opinion. Like, he's only going to have probably 125 targets if everyone stays healthy. But, I mean, again, he could have 140, 150 targets if people start dropping like flies. And I definitely expect at least Jeffrey to be out for the start of the season. Yeah, I think my problem with Ertz has always been I don't like Carson Wentz at all, and then I do like Goddard, and I just never like where Ertz goes. But the I mean, the case you laid out is like in the terms of redraft, Zach Ertz is for sure their number one wide receiver, number one tight end, all of those things. I'm a huge Rager fan, but uh, I don't expect him to be their wide receiver one, like Alpha stepping on the field like as a rookie. I just don't see it. Zach Ertz and Carson Wentz have something going. Uh, and tight end in general is just hard to find someone that's going to be consistent, that you can believe in. And, uh, yeah, every year the tight end turnover rate is ridiculous. Yeah, especially uh, if you play in a tight end premium. Like, this dude is slept on. Because I don't know if it's because everyone's playing Dynasty now or something, but, like, guys like Ertz and, like, Edelman are just, like, falling down boards. I swear it's just because people play Dynasty leagues all the time and they just, like, are like, oh, yeah, they're old, so we're not going to take them. But we're talking about one year here. So, I mean, Ertz is going to get probably the third most uh, volume at the tight end position, regardless of who's healthy there or not. Yeah, that very well could be it. Uh, Yeah, I guess I maybe need to look into Ertz a little bit more. Uh, Someone for me who is the kind of final tight end on the top three list or whatever that's bus group, uh, it seems obvious. It's another obvious one, but it's Mark Andrews, Mr. Marky Mark. Uh, I love the Ravens offense and kind of like Ertz, he's their number one option. Um, I love Hollywood Brown. I really do. I've talked about how I like Devin Duvernay, uh, but neither one of them compared to Mark Andrews. When he's on the field, Lamar Jackson throws him the ball. 
He was first in touchdowns last year, first in deep targets for tight end, first in hog rate. So basically when he's on the field and it's a passing play, he's running routes and he's getting targeted uh, like all the time, basically. And all Mark Andrews did last year was succeed. His efficiency was awesome. And the Ravens deep or offense has literally only gotten better. I mean, they added J.K. Dobbins, who is going to be a ridiculous stud. Their line crushes. Lamar Jackson, another year under his belt. Yes, there might be some regression, but honestly, he's a way better passer than people talk about. He's an incredible quarterback. And I just passing volume again, might go up too. Like, yes, there totally. might be regression to his passing touchdown rate, but if he gets more volume, he still might throw the same amount of touchdowns, but the rate will be lower because he passed the ball more. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think literally, uh, I understand a lot of people, uh, well, some people I've seen are a little nervous about Mark Andrews. They think he might regress. They think he might drop back after last year. I honestly, I just, I don't see it. I don't see how the number one target in a really explosive, the number one offense from last year, I don't see By how like they're- By like 50 points that they scored. Yeah. They were like 50 Huge. points ahead of the next best offense. Yeah, dude. He, they got rid of Hurst. They basically, they pushed in all their chips and we said, Mark Andrews is our guy. You know, he was hurt and part of last year. If he stays healthy all year, it's, I mean, it's wheels up for Mark Andrews. Yeah. And um, I don't know if this means much, but he actually got targeted more when Hollywood Brown was on the field, which is kind of surprising. But I think the passing game is just more in rhythm then. Like maybe yeah. without Hollywood Brown in the lineup, they just focused more on the run game and they didn't throw the ball as much. I don't know. Just if anyone had that objection, like, oh, but Hollywood Brown's coming back, like, like Mark Andrews is still going to out-target Hollywood Brown. No matter how much I love Hollywood Brown, he's still not getting as many targets as Mark Andrews. Um, and yeah. as far as like, I don't know, what would he play, 46% of the snaps or something? I actually don't give a shit. Like I don't care how many snaps he plays. He is on the field to catch passes. Like he is a move tight end. He's not in line. Like I know Nick Boyle probably out-snaps him because he is in line like 70% of the time. But like, I don't care as long as he's getting targets. If the targets are there, if his, if his uh, metrics that he's running, like uh, yards per route run and all that stuff, like, I don't care if he's on the field all the time. Like, if he's on the field in the red zone where the, where the receptions count, that's, like, he's going to get probably double-digit touchdowns again. Like, people can, like you said, talk about regression to Lamar Jackson again, but the bottom line is when they're in the red zone and they're throwing the ball, it's going to Mark Andrews first rate every time. Yep, number one hog rate in the league. So literally, when he's on the field, he's getting targeted more than any other tight end in the league. For sure. So, yeah, um, yeah we're going to get out of here. Uh, make sure you guys like, comment, uh, subscribe, maybe tell us who you think is super safe. Like I mentioned, we didn't really talk about some of the later guys at some of the positions. We wanted to really get the – like the higher picks matter more, right? So we wanted to talk about the, the safer guys at the top of the draft because you definitely can – Sometimes you can't win your draft in the first round or the second or third round, but you can definitely lose it if you pick a, a risky player and he busts. That's why I'm not touching Miles Sanders with a 10-foot pull. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, like I said, make sure you guys check out everything else we got going on. Draft guides drop in July 7th, uh, July 6th, sorry. And uh, peace out, guys, and enjoy your Monday.